We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. What's up, Jack? Seriously, guys, if you think there is a lack of Nets content out there, you are not subscribed to the Brooklyn Buzz on iTunes and every other uh, platform. Yeah, we've probably dropped like 20 to 30 pods in the last month or two just on the Nets. We just did the player preview series, talked about every single player on the roster from the rookies to D'Angelo Russell. You know, we also did plenty of pods on the offseason stuff, you know, top 100 list, you know, Spencer Dewitty trade talk, all types of things. Also, we want to give a big shout out to the websites that support us, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com. OTG covers everything general NBA, try to cover all teams. And then Nets Republic is one of the best sites for Nets content. And Jack also writes for them. One of the best Nets writers out there, Jack Manuel. Oh, thank you, sir. I do I do what I can. He does a great job. And we also have another preview. This is going to be a preview of the whole team, but we did on my other podcast, the NBA Outlet. Jack, myself, and Nick Letourneau previewed the Nets about an hour and a half of great Nets talk. Be sure to check that out if you don't like this one or you just want more Nets content. But uh, like we mentioned before, all on iTunes, Block Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, Dash Radio, and YouTube. But Jack, getting into it. This preview, like we said, we talked about the players, so this is going to be more team-specific. For you, what are some of the top storylines going to the season for the Nets? It's going to be a lot, Nick. You know, it really I've got, is. <laughs> I've got one, two, three, four, five. I've got seven things. Ooh. Obviously, the, the gravity of them is different to – but, like, I think – all of these are going to have some sort of credence, you know, for 2018-19. You know, playoffs or no playoffs, the free agency drama, D'Angelo Russell, Karis LeVert, Coach Kenny, what's he doing? Janan Moose's rookie season. And even to a lesser extent, Jared Allen and his breakout. I think that Jared Allen, what he's shown in the preseason, has warranted, you know, what is he going to be like in his sophomore year? So I think that any of those seven things, you know, will definitely be a talking point at some stage. 
Yeah, I got pretty similar stuff. I don't have seven. I just wrote down a couple. I got, you know, contract years for D'Angelo, Dinwiddie, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. You know, also, who's going to be that cornerstone that really pops up this year? You mentioned Jared Allen in preseason. Obviously, D'Angelo, they want to be that guy. Karis Avert has really popped off. And then, like, the overall season, working to attract free agents next summer. You know, they're going to have a ton of cap. Will they be able to use it on some of the big names? And like you said, that'll be kind of connected to the playoffs. Can they get into the playoffs? Can they, Can these guys take the next step? Is Kenny Atkinson a great coach, or is he just a great player development guy? Is Sean Mark's you know plan going to come together and actually make the Nets a successful franchise and really push forward, or they kind of get stuck? So I think there's just a ton of different storylines, and I'm sure even more are going to pop up across the season. Yeah, definitely. And guys, you know, at, at the JMNJBT, at OTG Nick, at OTG Basketball, there are storylines that we have missed or you're looking forward to as well. Slide into those DMs, you know, hit us up because we want to hear what you think. And, you know, we've had some really great mailbag and fan episodes. And, you know, I, I think that all of those things that you mentioned, Nick, and, you know, to a lesser extent what I mentioned as well, I think all of them are going to be fascinating uh, takeaways and things to watch throughout what's going to be a big 2018-19 for our Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, honestly, Jack, I'm really surprised you didn't bring up the storyline. Will Joe Harris shave his beard? <laughs> I think will Joe Harris shave his beard is a big question because it seems to be a bit of a trend, actually. Funnily enough, again, me and my dude, one of my best friends, Nick, co-host of JVT, we're chatting about the sort of new wave of fashion and sort of styling in the NBA. Kyrie Irving, Clay Thompson, Joe Harris, this sort of scruffy old school look is making a comeback and I'm all for it. You know, I have a, a Nick and I have never met in person, unfortunately. That will one day happen very soon in the future, guys, and we'll make sure to document that as much as possible. We'll be like on Periscope probably 24-7. <laughs> but I'm probably one that's a, a big fan of it. And Joey Joey Moses, as has been the name, I can't remember, I'm going to give it to Flatbush in Atlantic. I'm guessing he's probably one of the, the person that came up with it. He does the awesome photoshops and stuff. But uh, I'm all for Joey Buckets. And if that beard gives him some extra juice and, you know, it's like Samson, and if he shaves it and he ends up, like, you know, shooting less from the field, he's got to grow it back. But um, he looks gorgeous no matter what uh, sort of style he has. Joey Buckets can do no wrong. Yeah, I actually rock a beard myself if you didn't know that. Obviously, like you said, we've never met. So I'm trying to keep up with Joe Harris, keep the beard fresh. But moving on, talking a little bit more Nets team ball. For you, what are expectations of this season? Like what would be a successful season? Yeah, I've done a – I did a team preview for OGDBasketball.com and there are plenty of those out there. So making sure you're checking that out on the website. Uh, and I sort of projected and we'll go to wins and losses. So I won't reveal that now, but you know, I expect us to be pushing for the playoff sort of range. I expect us to probably close out games a little bit better. Uh, I hope, hopefully that's probably due to, you know, some better refereeing and a, and a little bit more True. respect for our nets this season, you know, with the, the talent that we've acquired, we will probably push for the playoffs. Will we get there? Who knows? Obviously, that's one of our top storylines to watch. So, but I, I expect us to make an improvement. That for me is an expectation. If we, you know, don't get into that mid thirties uh, win range, then I think it's going to be a disappointment. But yeah, expectations are for growth across the board. Uh, you can get into individual player expectations, but you know we covered that plenty in the player preview series. So I think for team wise, it's going to be about a collective improvement from the team as a whole. Yeah, exactly, Jack. I think improving as a team, being on the cusp of the playoffs at least, like if they don't necessarily get in, which we'll talk about a little bit later, you know, if they can get in at least, I think 
I, the lowest I'd want to see them finish is probably in the 10th or 11th seed and just be a couple games out where, you know, if the ball bounced their way or maybe they didn't deal with injuries and they closed out a couple more games, they would have got in. I think they want to get really close. And I think in terms of like offense and defensive rating, when they made the update on NBA.com, they did exact possessions. I think the Nets were 21 and like 22 or something. Maybe get into that middle teens area, I think would really be a nice boost for the squad as well. Yeah, I think it just looking at our schedule and we sort of we dissected that a little bit again on the Brooklyn Buzz. Um, I think it's going to be tough late season for us if we're going for that play that uh, playoff push because we do have a really tough late season stretch. Also, you know, not a lot of people pay attention to the divisions, but we are probably in the heart one of the hardest divisions in the NBA, if not the hardest. Like, you have the three best teams in the East and probably three of the five best teams, you know, I've been listening to the NBA outlet and those all those teams, you know, uh, are right up there. So, you know, playing against the Sixers a lot, playing against the Raptors a lot, playing against Boston a lot, and to a lesser extent the Knicks, it's going to be tough for us to get, you know, bank those wins. But, you know, if we win the games that we're expected to win and then are competitive and maybe sneak a couple of ones that we're not expected to, you know, the Nets did that plenty of times last season in terms of, you know, the energy and the hustle that they brought. So I think it's going to be about, you know, probably getting past those, you know, respectable losses and getting them into, you know, you know um, surprise wins. I'd yeah. rather convert those and sort of go, hey, we got a win. We didn't play well, but we that's what good teams do. You get the wins and, you know, you don't, you bank them for later when you're not playing good basketball and you have an off night. Yeah, like last year they did a great job being competitive in a lot of games, not getting blown out. Now it's about turning those competitive games into wins and grinding out and doing some of the dirty work. Maybe that turnover you had in the first and second quarter, you didn't think it really mattered, but you lost a team, you know, two points on our end, and then the other team hit a three. Now that's a five-point swing, and that's going to make the biggest difference. I think coming down to every one possession does matter in the NBA, as hard as it kind of key on each one, I think it really does matter. It definitely does. You know, we've seen in the preseason already that, you know, it matters heavily. You know, turnovers lose you games. Um, losing the ball, lose you games. Making the right decisions, win you games. So I think the Nets need to do that more consistently. And I think that with the talent that we've acquired and the natural development of a heap of our guys, uh, I think you're going to see, you know, some strides. How big are those strides? Uh, are they playoff strides? Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, and now just to kind of recap the offseason a little bit, we'll start with the draft picks. Yana Musa, 29th overall. Rodion Skorox, 40th overall. Then via trade, they picked up Kenneth Reed, Jared Dudley, free agent signing Ed Davis, Shabazz Napier, Trevion Graham. They re-signed uh, Jack's boy, Joey Harris. Now, what are your thoughts on your favorite offseason move, other than the Joe Harris re-signing, because I know that's automatically at the top of your list. What was your favorite move? Uh, Ed Davis for me, Nick. Um, yeah. I think that in terms of rebounding, it was really an area that we struggled with terms of going up against those big men, you know, that Dwight Howard night. Um, I wasn't having nightmares about it because Dwight Howard can just put up numbers, but it certainly wasn't pleasant to watch. Uh, it was annoying to hear about too. <laughs> I know, because especially just like, you know, Dwight Howard, oh God, of course, if we, if the one team he plays, you know, awesome against is our Nets. So I think adding Ed Davis is going to give us a, a lot already, you know, in the couple of preseason matchups. He's already been out there, you know, getting um, rebounds like there's no other. He is one of the most talented rebounding centers in the NBA, you know, back up or not. And I think he is very tough. And I think he provides a lot that the Nets lacked last season. And again, check out his and Kenneth Reed's uh, player preview uh, episode, which is on YouTube, uh, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, and all the other platforms.
Yeah, no, I, I hate to pick the same one, but I love Ed Davis. And we've talked about him on previous buzzes. I've tweeted about him already. I just love the toughness. He just feels like a guy that's going to be a fan favorite. And I look at the center position for the Nets. And last year, you mentioned the Dwight Dwight having that 30-30 and 30 game. And it was such a liability, you know, having Mozgov, having Tyler Zeller, having Jaleel Okafor. Obviously, Jared Allen was still a rookie. Now you have Allen and Ed Davis. And Ed Davis was regarded as one of the best backup centers in the NBA last season. So getting him, especially at that price. And I think, it, you know, a lot of the, the players in practice and training camp have talked about having Ed Davis is really making a change. And he's this guy that constantly does the dirty work. I'd say, you know, a, a guy that I'm kind of like low key really excited about, but I haven't got to see yet in preseason. I've mentioned to you, Shabazz Napier, just because Kenny has talked about so much about Shabazz, you know, being an X Factor for Portland. I'm really interested to see his role and what he can bring to the team, too. Yeah, Shabazz is going to give us a lot. Um, him. And, and Ed Davis, you know, Portland 2.0, so to speak, you know, I think <laughs> they're going to they're gonna give us heaps. And, you know, it's it's sad that he hasn't been able to get himself healthy yet, but hopefully that doesn't leave him behind the eight ball. But I think because he's not going to have such a high-level role, I don't think he's going to be necessarily, you know, catch, playing catch-up basketball because, yeah. you know, he's not going to be asked to play, you know, 28, 29 minutes per night. You know, he'll be, go out there. There might be nights, you know, where they ease him back in and they're just like, you know, look, we just want you to make a couple of buckets, pass the ball a little bit. So I think Shabazz, you know, unlike, you know, Alan Crabb, who we saw last season, that ankle injury again to him, you know, isn't necessarily the best sign going forward. But I think for a guy like Shabazz, it's going to be easy for him to ease into his new role with his new team. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I'm excited for a lot of the guys, too, including the rookies, which we just did a great player preview on those, too. So check that out. But departure-wise, you know, Isaiah Whitehead, Jeremy Lin, Timothy Moskoff, Quincy AC, Dante Cunningham, Jalil Okafor, Nick Stauskas, James Webb, Millen Doyle. Out of these guys, who do you wish they had kept, if anyone? Um, I mean, I was initially upset a little bit about Jeremy Lin's departure, but upon hearing, you know, what's... You know, he's, I, I just don't think he fits, you know, and yeah. listening to Nick talk about it on the outlet preview, especially when you have a guy like Shabazz Napier who sort of just replaces him. I think it's probably a better role for Shabazz and in terms of better role for us as a backup guard. I think Jeremy Lin commands too much of the offense and I think he's going to have a nice season out there in Atlanta. You know, he's already shown some nice things in the preseason. A um, little shout out to Jalil Okafor because when he came out um, and said that, you know, the, Nets was sort of talking about offering him, you know, sort of seeing something in relation to his mental health issues, depression and such. Uh, it takes a big man to come out. And we sort of, there were times where we may have criticized him when it wasn't warranted or sometimes where it was warranted. But it takes a really big man, a big person, not just a big man, a big person to come out and say, look, I need a little bit of help. It was hard for me to sort of accept that in Brooklyn. But it's great to see our organization putting not just players, you know, on court exploits, you know, at the top, but their well-being as a person. And it's just um, a real big shout out to him. Yeah. And like you said, you know, shout out to Okafor and happy to see him, you know, hopefully he can continue his NBA career. Like we yeah. said, you know, there was talent and potential we saw last year, which is kind of the mindset. And obviously, you know, having to do with mental health issues and now handling that, I think it'll really benefit him. Hopefully it'll help him kind of take his game to another level. And like you said, from the Nets, it feels really good to have a franchise that does the right thing. You know, we see plenty of teams do the bad things to be in the news for all the bad press, but to see the Nets do a great thing, I think that's a lot of respect to Sean Marks, putting all the right people in the front office, in the organization. And the touch on Jeremy Lin, like you said, I just don't think there was room for him. And I am a little bit nervous about the injury. I think it's a very tough injury to come back from. And Jeremy Lin was like low-key athletic, so I think it'll actually impact him a little bit more than people anticipate. So I'm just, you know, overall, I don't think anybody they lost – is going to hurt them that much because of the replacements they brought in. 
Yeah, I think that in terms of the replacements we made made us an infinitely better team than we were last season. So I agree with you there, Nick. Now, getting into a little bit of prediction, you know, and I will give a news update, which we just heard a recent quote. I think Kenny said that Rondé should be good to go for opening night, and as well, Alan, Alan Krabs and maybe and Damari Carroll will be good. So what's your opening night starting lineup? The opening night starting lineup, I think, will be probably the same as last season, Nick. You know, we had D'Angelo Russell, Alan Crabb, uh, Damari Carroll, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, and uh, Jared Allen. How can I forget him? Um, but <laughs> Why I can you forget that, that afro? <laughs> I mean, I can't. I literally can't. It's it's something that I, I have sweet dreams about. But I I think that Karras has a real chance, Nick. I think that if he shows something, and the Knicks game is literally on as we speak, if he shows, you know, the fact that he doesn't have seven turnovers, I think he might usurp a guy like Damari Carroll. Uh, I think he might usurp a guy like Wanda Hollis Jefferson, who they might want to ease back. You don't want to throw him in against in the uh, with the Wolves. Um, I think that he provides a little bit more with spacing, and he has worked pretty nicely with a guy like D'Angelo Russell in that backcourt. So, um, and he does have that versatility to play at the three uh, if need be alongside Alan Crabb. But it'll be interesting to see what happens and what your thoughts are. I'm, I'm guessing you're Karras in the starting lineup or not. Yeah, I think I do, and I, it's more so from I think Alan Crabb might not be ready. Like that ankle sprain okay. didn't look too pretty, and I know it was like Kenny was hopeful that he'll play. So I'm just going to take the easy road out, and I think that Crabb might not be ready to go. And I think they'll go D'Lo, Lavert, you know, Carroll, RHJ, and Allen. I also wouldn't be surprised, like you mentioned, if they elect to go with a uh, Lavert over Carroll. We haven't seen a ton from Carroll in preseason. He looked a little bit rough. I don't know. He could be you know, dealing with an ankle injury, or you know, age could have caught up to him. I wouldn't be opposed to that, and I don't think Demari would be opposed to that because he really seems to have some major love for Lavert. And you mentioned the D'Lo and Lavert chemistry. They seem to be really vibing on the court and kind of developing a little bit more each game. And we already know about the chemistry that Levert has with Jared Allen. I think it's important to get those two minutes together. Yeah, one thing about D'Lo as well. Um, obviously, we chat, we did his play preview series, and um, obviously check that out. But one thing that we've seen from him in the preseason, and you know, just having the game on in the background, multitasking, listening to you and watching the game right now. I know you're taping it, so I won't give it much away. But he's shown, and you mentioned it as well. I can't remember if you put it on Twitter or if we were doing it in the dams. His defensive activity and just his energy on that end. He's you know harassing guys you know in the backcourt and you know not letting them get out into the open court. So it's something that I really like from him. And it's just those little things that he ne didn't necessarily show last season. Um, Joe Harris is actually in the starting lineup against the Knicks, so I'm not going to throw him out there for the regular season. But you know there will be nights where we have you know guys, whether they be the wings, whether they be the bigs where there'll be, you know, some different um, different matchups. You know, Jared Allen might be injured or he might not be ready. Um, who knows? So I think that the lineup will be, the starting lineup will be consistent, but there will definitely be changes, as is the case with many teams. Yeah, then the Levert and Carroll thing, something to keep an eye on. Like you said, I think Crab will stay in there because of just the three-point shooting and other guys will get in there. And RHJ, like... It's tough because it's, like, easy to forget about him because we haven't seen him in preseason. But I think he's just, like, a guy that they're going to want to keep in there because of the energy he brings. And we saw last year when he missed 10 games, I think the Nets lost almost all those games. So I think he's an important guy to kind of keep an eye on. It's going to be really exciting. And to get on the D-low point a little bit too, you know, he's brought in more energy. And, like, literally the smallest thing is really, like, I've noticed. And he's just keeping his hands up defensively all the time. And it, he's, like, got good length and good size to him. So just doing that is making it a little bit harder. It might seem like something small and stupid, but it does have an impact on the game. Yeah, it's really nice to see. The only real thing that has been disappointing, apart from maybe the defense a little bit, has been the turnovers and yeah. has been just the guys not taking care of the ball. And I think that comes with a level of maturity 
And usually the decision making, you know, it's one thing we talked about with Spencer Dinwiddie is, is he just makes the right play. He rarely turns the ball over, as is reflected by, you know, all the accolades he got last season. So I think that, you know, if that can rub off somewhat on Karras and D'Lo, you know, they're going to have those moments. But I would much rather see them, you know, score the ball a little bit less than have, you know, seven turnovers where they're giving the ball up and the guys are getting, you know, open transition points, fast break points against us. So um, that's going to be one thing for me. And I've done in some preseason previews for uh, naturalpublic.com about the fact that we need to limit that and our young core needs to limit that going forward. Yeah, and I hopefully some of it is just kind of preseason, kind of adjusting the chemistry a little bit. And I think for both guys, you can make the argument, sometimes they turn over the ball when they should just shoot it. Like they're in yeah. the paint, it might be a tough layup, but you know, just put the shot up. It's better than getting a, a live ball turnover where, like you said, Jack, they're going to get an easy bucket in transition, you know, make them rebound the ball. We got Jared Allen, we got Ed Davis, and, you know, talking a little bit about Jared Allen, he's kind of done a better job getting some of those offensive rebounds and attacking the ball at the highest point. And like we've been asking him to do a lot last season, just tip that ball out. We've seen him do that a couple times. But talking rotation-wise, off the bench, you know, who do you think is going to – like let's – so who do you think is going to be top eight in minutes for the Nets this year? Top eight in minutes. All right. So this is a tough one. Obviously, we'll go with D'Lo number one. I'll go with Karras number two. Uh, Jared Allen number three. Uh, Damari and Alan Crabb around that number four, five range. Uh, I think Rondé will be number six. I think uh, Joey Buckles will be number seven. And I think Spencer Dinwiddie will be number eight. Uh, yeah. I think that, you know, he's, he, I think he's still our number one guy off the bench. And I spoke about... Uh, in the player preview, I've done articles about it, that he has, you know, a legitimate shot to be a six-man of the year. You know, I looked into his form a little bit in the offs in the preseason. Hasn't been great. He did start off well, but I think, you know, it, it's preseason jitters, so hopefully that's all it is. And um, hopefully he has a good showing tonight against the Knicks. Um, but I think that that's likely to be our top eight. Do you have any differences or similarities? Yeah, I think that's pretty, uh, pretty similar to what I got. I think the only other guy that's going to probably get close to being the top eight is Ed Davis because he's going to be pretty much the other big the Nets rely upon. So yeah. other than that, and I think you probably make the argument that Kenny's going to play nine guys a lot. He's going to play probably, I think he's going to go pretty deep, and people are going to get pissed about it, but I personally don't mind it. And a lot of people, if they ever call the first year Golden State won the championship, Steve Kerr was playing a ton of players. One of the reasons they were so great is they're running the offensive system, and everybody was so fresh. There was just so much energy, and he had this system with Steph. I know people get pissed about D'Angelo not playing big minutes sometimes, but he did this thing with Steph where he had like a specific minute count that he would do, and he'd keep him out of the game at certain points, so he stayed fresh for the second half and I'm not surprised if you know Kenny does something similar to that with D'Lo or just some of the other guys and taking advantage of the depth they do have and kind of prevent injuries and you know another thing you know we know the performance team is heavily involved in the minute count like there it's not like the Nets are not are disconnected throughout the franchise they're connected and all the parts are working together yeah for me I'm not necessarily caring about the minutes I hate but for me as much as playoff basketball would be nice I care more about the development of Karis, D'Lo, and Jared Allen. Yeah. If they show that they have, you know, all-star potential this season and they're playing, you know, 32 minutes a night, that for me is more important than, you know, sniffing uh, an eighth seed, you know, and finishing ninth or whatever because I think it's more important for our foundation as a franchise going forward. Uh, for them, for those three, uh, whether they're going to be, you know, our core, like, you know, do we need to attract a, a superstar free agent? You know, obviously the names are sort of, you know, ticking the names off the list a little bit in terms of staying with their franchises. So I think it's more important that we see the development and we hopefully coach Kenny rides those guys out a little bit. You know, 
don't ride them into the ground like you know Tom Thibodeau sort of style. I think that there needs to be a healthy balance from from Coach Kenny. It's going to be a big season for him as much as it is for our players. Yeah, I think there's like you said. I think the key word there, Jack, is balance. You know, you want to keep the players fresh, and you also want to set the culture too because you don't want to just be like, all right, we're playing our young guys if that means like losing. But you do want to find out what we can get from these guys. Obviously, in D'Angelo's case, I think that's the biggest concern at the moment because he is the free agent. Lavert and Allen are still under contract, and that still have their restrictive free agency and whatnot. But D'Angelo's a guy that's going to be up for a big contract, and I'm sure there's going to be interest around the league. So it's going to be a lot easier for them to make a decision on him if he can stay healthy and play big minutes and produce those numbers. Yeah, and we spoke about that at length in the player preview, but I think, you know, the storylines we mentioned, the things to watch, uh, it's going to be absolutely massive uh, season for D'Angelo Russell, more than probably anyone on this, like you mentioned, because of his contract status and because of, you know, the the rumors of free agents, you know, wanting to come to Brooklyn. So um, I, I'm just really excited to see. They're going to be the three that I'm watching the most. Um, obviously, Joe Harris will have his own specific camera for me, and I'll try and get to his you know, many uh, net scans as I can when I head over to the States. But uh, I'm really excited for this season. I think it's, you know, there's a, a level of, you know, we named, you named this uh, podcast the Brooklyn Buzz and it seems like it's the most fitting uh, sort of term <laughs> to describe our franchise going forward. Yeah, it is kind of ironic how it just worked out so perfectly. And talking about Buzz, which players on the Nets, you know, I think this is kind of obvious. Do you expect to kind of break out and take their game to another level this year? You don't really have to explain why, but just give me a couple names. I know all yeah, I'm going to pick. <laughs> yeah, well, I know who you're going to pick, and I'm going to probably pick him as well. I think it's Karis Stilo and Allen for different yep. reasons. You know, Karis is going to um, probably be healthy and has shown a lot, you know, in the offseason. We've heard the offseason sort of uh, rumblings about his improvements. Delo because I'm hoping he can achieve his goal of playing 82 games because uh, when he's out on the court, he is a very talented player. And Jared Allen, because to me, out of all the guys, out of all those three, he has shown some insane hops and things that we talked about, his weaknesses in the player preview about like, you know, finishing alley-oops, showing some strength, rebounding. He's already shown improvements and we're playing preseason basketball. He's on highlight reels where, you know, he's blocking one of the best dunkers in the history of the game in Blake Griffin. Um, I'm just so excited for all these three guys. Yeah, I think like, uh, like you said, I got D'Lo, LeVert and Jared Allen and I'm just really excited for Jared Allen because like, he is, like you said, a human highlight reel, and he's going to be a guy that's going to help get the net some more buzz in general with all the dunks and the big blocks. Not many players would try to, you know, Blake's not the same player he was in L.A., especially the first couple seasons, but he's still a dunker, and Jared Allen had no fear at all. We saw that last season, no. but it's nice to see him actually get that block clean. It was super funny, too, because Blake was complaining about a foul when he got all ball, and I think he was just <laughs> kind of embarrassed. He got blocked by the second-year guy. Yeah, I mean, I think Jared Allen... Uh, the NBA uh, Twitter account rarely adds our players. Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, that was the storyline for us last season. Spencer Dinwiddie never getting added. But they better learn the the Twitter handles of our guys because I think we're going to be showing some highlights throughout the year. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm, I'm super pumped. Jared Allen's got me hyped. I'm already going to have to like get an extra battery for my phone to make sure I can do all the highlights. <laughs> <laughs> On a negative note, in somewhat, I guess it's somewhat negative, what players do you think will be rumored in trade this year? Yeah, I think that the guys that we've talked about before on buzzers, Ronde, Damari, and Spencer. Contract status, you know, veteran status. And in terms of what other players and other teams will want, all of these guys have some sort of um, value um, for teams around the league. Yeah, I got the same ones. I also would, I don't think it's likely, but I think teams will definitely call about him. And that's because he's becoming a great player off the bench. And that's Joe Harris. I don't think they'll trade him, but I think he's a name that teams will definitely call for. 
Yeah, I think you can mention Karis Avert in there as well, yeah. as, as sacrosanct as it is, because, you know, um, apparently it's just Kevin O'Connor, the one breaking the news about the fact that the Timberwolves wanted Karis Avert, but I think that's been a long sort of standing rumor. And I think... And a rumor came out as well, the Nets wouldn't include Levert. Exactly. But, you know, there's... Teams are going to ask about the team's best players and guys that look really good. So I think that Zach Lowe, I, I remember even before Kevin O'Connor brought it out, that Zach Lowe was mentioning teams have called about, you know, Carol Silvert and, you know, what the, the Nets will be willing to give up and, and such. But I think that uh, those three, and to a lesser extent, in a different sort of tier, Harris uh, as well and Joe Harris. Yeah. And I think, honestly, and I'm not just saying this because I love Karras, I just don't think the Nets would trade him. Like, I just, I think teams will call for him, but I don't think there'd be almost any chance they'd trade him unless it was a big, big-time player. And we already saw they wouldn't include him for Jimmy Butler. It could also be because they're not interested in Butler, but the fact they wouldn't even include him in an offer, I think, says a lot. Now, more predictions, though, Jack. We're going to go who, I guess we should do this one last. Uh, who's going to be the most improved player for the Nets next year? Well, this year. Uh, I think it's going to be Karis Levert, Nick. Uh, I think Karis yes. Levert's going to show big jumps uh, in across his game. I think you could argue for a guy like D'Angelo Russell because he's just going to be out on the court a little bit more. Um, so I think either of those two guys, but I think Karis is going to show the biggest sort of uptake in terms of his versatility and his skill set. Yeah, I got the same one here because I think not only is he going to improve offensively, but I think defensively, which we've talked about, and Kenny's kind of mentioned about wanting him to take another step defensively too. So I think he'll be the most improved because there'll be more hype about him being this player moving forward where D'Angelo showed that flash for 12 games early last year, and there's already been hype around him. And then Jared Allen, you know, he's already young, and I don't think he's going to make a ginormous stride because we already saw a lot of big flash at the end of last season, but defensive player of the year for the Nets. Um, I'm going to go with Jared Allen, but I'm also going to give a nice shout-out for our boy, uh, Ed Davis, because Ooh. I think that our big men defense is going to be something that could be a real strength of ours. And when you look around the best defensive teams in the league, most of them have a very serviceable, if not great, big man. Utah Jazz, they've got their boy, Rudy Gobert. Oklahoma City Thunder, they've got Steven Adams. Boston Celtics, they've got Al Horford. Us, we're not going to be in that sort of tier uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But Jared Allen is already showing flashes. Ed Davis um, will anchor that second unit like no other. So I'm really excited to see what our big men defense and how they can affect us going forward. What about yeah, you? I got, I got the same one. I hate picking the same one, but I think at Jared Allen, like you said, the rim protection and the impact he's already had, not blocking shots, but just changing shots of the rim. And if he keeps blocking people on dunks, they're going to get scared. It's just human nature. You know, knowing a shot blocker's in there, you're going to have to change your shot a little bit. Also, I'm going to give a shout out to Rondé because I think there's still, this is another year for him to take a step defensively. And maybe they don't have to ask him to do as much offensively like last season, where he can kind of focus on becoming one of those great all around defensive players, which we saw flashes of last season, the year before. Yeah, I think the switching scheme will benefit him, and I think it'll benefit our team overall in terms of you know the size and versatility that we have. Uh, minus shout-out as well for Trevion Graham, who I think will be uh, a very nice defensive fit. I mentioned it uh, in the player preview one as well. So I think that you know we it would have been tough for us to come up with a defensive player of the year last year, Nick. Obviously, we didn't know what Jared Allen would show. We know a little bit about Rondé, but uh, I'm excited to see what we can do at the defensive end of the floor. It's been a real emphasis from our coaching staff, and you know, defense wins games. So now I'm actually going to throw one in there. I didn't put this on our list, but six man of the year for the Nets. Six man of the year. I mean, it'd be silly of me to come up with an article saying Spencer Dinwiddie <laughs> could win the six man of the year in the league and not say he wins. So I have to go with Spencer. Um, 
there was obviously the article going around about him saying, you know, he should have won most improved. I get what he's saying in terms of, you know, because he is the, the rationale he came with behind it, you know, in terms of the biggest growth in their game, Spencer did. You know, he barely shown anything in his first couple of seasons due to the opportunity that he was given compared to Oladipo uh, and Clint Capella, who did show flashes. So I get why he thinks he was the most improved player by that definition. Um, I think that he needs to now change his mentality and go, okay, now I can really be a real force off the bench here. I think it's going to be hard for him. um, And he's already shown some difficulty with that. But I think that he is a very intelligent guy. And if he's given, you know, if the, the dialogue between him and the coaching staff and him and his players uh, is positive, then I think that he can be a real chance for that. Yeah, I like the Dinwiddie pick, and uh, I think I'm going to go with something different, and you're like this pick. I'm going to go with Joe Harris. Yes, you are. Yes, I am. I, I like the consistency. You know, last year we talked about in the player preview for Harris as well. I just love the consistent vibe he brings off the bench. You know, you're always getting the energy. You're always getting a little bit of toughness. Even when the three-point shot's not falling, he's driving to the rim. I just like what he brings. And I like Dinwiddie too. I don't think that's a bad pick at all. I'm, I'm like a little bit more concerned about Dinwiddie, but, you know, changing the role so much, going from being that starter and having full control of the offense. It'll be interesting to see how he works, you know, with the other guards and whatnot, and he can kind of find a really good role. Because, like, there is plenty of potential for Dinwiddie to be better than he was last season in terms of not only shooting efficiency, but defensively, like we mentioned on the player preview, there are strides for him to take. So I like uh, either Joe Harris or Dinwiddie. Yeah, I think Dinwiddie as well. I think the Shabazz, the return of Shabazz Napier will have a nice effect on him because Shabazz is a, a guy who can play off ball and is a guy who's definitely going to be playing with those second units. Um, playing alongside Karis Levert with the second unit, um, he can hold the ball, not hog it, but hold the ball a lot. And I think Spencer is a guy that, you know, we talked about his usage in the player previews as well. I think that both of them will mesh nicely together. So Shabazz and, um, and Spencer, the two S's, are going to go nicely together as our backup um, in uh, backup in the backcourt. Say that a couple of times. Yeah, I mean, like, it's funny enough that we're going to have players of that quality in on the bench where, like, two seasons ago yeah. before Jeremy Lin came along, they were starting, like, Donald Sloan at point guard. really hurt. So having these guys as a backup is really nice. But uh, MVP of the Nets next season. Uh, for me, I would be remiss to say if it's not D'Angelo Russell, but I'm going to give it to Jared Allen because I'm on, the Jared, I'm, the, I'm on the Jared Allen hype train purely because of this preseason. You know, he's putting up 2010 nights. He's Dude, putting he's, up 2010 nights. He's putting up some Anthony Davis numbers, man. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's insane to see that, you know, the center position, I think that we have got absolutely something incredibly special for him. And I don't want to... I'm literally going to knock on wood because I don't want to put too much you know, emphasis on the dude, but he has shown so much. I think that D'Angelo, it's a, it's a lot harder for a guard to make an impact because of having the ball in their hands so much. Whereas I think Jared Allen's role, he is already very good at, and it's only going to get easier for him to get better because it's just going to come through maturation and come through uh, just you know, developing his body and just developing his IQ and experience. So whereas for a guy like D'Lo, he, needs the, he, he has the ball in his hands so much and being able to impact the game is a lot harder for him because, you know, for guards, it's just hard to be in a, It's a lot easier and this might be maybe a bit of a, an understatement or a bit of an overstatement, it's a bit easier to make an impact as a big guy because the, the skills that, that are required are a lot easier to do for big guys than it is for guards. 
Well, especially when you have, you know, the physical, you know, features of Jared Allen and the athletic yeah. features that he has, it just kind of allows him to do what you want a modern NBA to do so well. But I'm going to go with D'Angelo. I think the one thing is like, obviously, we talked about in numerous times over the offseason. It's a big year for him. And I think the one thing the Nets not only as a passer, and I think like I was a little bit lower on this, and I didn't think they needed as much. But I think they're going to need a shot making ability a little bit more than I thought going to, you know, earlier in the offseason. And that ability to kind of pull from mid range and kind of close out games. Games. We saw the big three against Detroit. You know, I think just him controlling the team and running the show and being able to kind of score when needed. And we saw some nice three-point flashes as well. I like the Jared Allen pick, but I think I'll save my Jared Allen MVP pick for not this season, but the next year. Because I think there's That's yeah, there's some skills that I've seen in preseason too that I've really liked that can take his game to another level. And some of the drives, like as soon as he gets the huh. polish on his layups, like he is going to be an incredibly gifted player. And as much hype as he's getting, I almost feel like he's still being slept on to an extent just because there's so much potential. It's just on tap. I've seen some people are really high in him, but I just really like Jared Allen and what he can do. So I don't think that's a bad pick at all. Yeah, we're not sleeping on him here at the buzz. Yeah, we've been, we got, we're, we're the conductor on the Jared Allen train. I don't care what anybody says. We got the Karis LeVert train. We got the Jared Allen train. You got the Joe Harris train. I'm, I'm, I'm in the, the second caboose, but you got that full cab- first caboose to yourself. Yes, sir. We are woke. We are absolutely woke when it comes to our nets. Um, but, Jack, you know, talking more so about the team overall, what's going to be the weakness of this team next year? Well, this year, I, I keep the, saying next year, this year, whatever. It didn't start yet, so. I think the weakness might be, you know, until proven otherwise, defense. Yeah. Um, obviously, I think that we have enough defensive talent to make strides there, but I think right now, you know, we haven't proven it yet. So for me, that's one of the weaknesses. And I think the other one is we don't have superstar talent. We don't have, you know, uh, one sort of franchise star. We have all these guys who, you know, are, are real depth in our roster. And we have, you know, a few guys that have that potential, but we don't have a Jimmy Butler, a Kevin Durant, a LeBron James, you know, an Anthony Davis. We don't have one guy we can go to, look, you go out there. We know that we can count on 20 points a game from you no matter what. Um, so I think that that's one thing. That is a big weakness. Yeah, I agree. I think closing out games, and I'm hoping D'Angelo can kind of come into that role. And I don't think it's just going to come in one year. You know, it did happen for like Victor Oladipo last year, so maybe D'Lo can make that type of jump. But I think overall consistency, and that goes for offense and defense. You know, we've seen stretches last year where they played some really nice defense, and then a couple games they were terrible. Or like we saw in the Toronto game, defense wasn't terrible in the first half. Second half, it was pretty bad. Same with the offense. Offensive efficiency, getting those turnover numbers down and getting those shooting numbers up is going to be, you know, very big improvement needed and i think it'll still be somewhat of a weakness this year but they'll probably improve as the year progresses now strength wise what do you think is going to be the biggest keys to this team and one thing they can rely on night in and night out yeah i think pace and space nick is one thing that i think we're really going to emphasize and i think depth i've I've spoken about it at length Uh, i don't really need to outline it further but we have a depth of talent not necessarily superstar talent like i but nba ready talent that contribute on a night-to-night basis that's going to help us win games yeah, I got the same ones, Jack. I got depth. I got pace and space. I also got ball movement because I think that's one thing Kenny really preaches to his team, and we saw it a little bit in preseason. Sometimes it stops, but I think during the season, having all the depth is going to be important to move the ball, and I think the team will kind of realize that is, you know, we might not have this superstar, but if we kind of work together as a team, we can beat some of the more talented teams out there. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, you know, if we're seeing ourselves in highlights for sort of team basketball where that ball is zipping around the perimeter, finishing with a three-pointer, then that's going to be something that's really exciting to watch. Um, So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Nets team basketball next season. 
All right. We already did our win preview on the NBA outlet Brooklyn uh, Brooklyn Nets preview. But what do you have right now after watching a little preseason, getting a little bit more vibe of the team? What are you thinking win-wise? I'm going to stay consistent. I'm going to stay true to my word. I, I did the team preview uh, article, like I mentioned, 34 and 48. Um, I like to undersell and then be pleasantly surprised. I think I will be pleasantly surprised, but I think that there is still a lot of work to do for the Nets to become a ready-made playoff team and then it, take that step further to being an Eastern Conference contender. So I think that we will make some strides next season, but there will be some strides that we need to continue to make to become what we really want to be. Yeah, I, I can't recall. I recorded like 30 previews for the NBA, but, uh, literally. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it was 38, and that's a number I'm going to stick with as well. Um, I think it'll be right around the cusp of the playoffs type of thing, and I wouldn't be surprised if they got a couple more wins or if they have a couple injuries and a couple less wins. But I think that mid-30s is really going to be you know a really important goal for the team. Like Kenny said, I think making the eight-game improvement last year, they're looking to at least do the same thing this year, if not more. Now, we also did playoff percentages on the – on the preview on the outlet. What are your thoughts on the percentage now? Still around the same what you had before? Yeah, I think I had 30 or something around that sort of range. I can't remember either, Nick. Um, we've done so many bloody buzzes. I don't know how you can, like, your memory is, like, your mind is anything but basketball. Like, your brain <laughs> must be literally the shape of a sporting ball. Um, yeah, my girlfriend so, like <laughs> um, I can assume. Beyonce, uh, you know, my bad. <laughs> There's a lot other things that you know you could be obsessed with that are a lot worse. So that's <laughs> possible. It's not a bad thing at all, my friend. Um, yeah, I'll give it around thirty percent, Nick. I think that that number can very easily change. I think that we're in a, a sort of lower tier from teams like you know Detroit, Charlotte. Um, I think that we're in the sort of similar, maybe slightly above the tier of like the Cleveland Cavaliers. We're in a mild tier of our own, but I think that there is a chance. Um, and as we mentioned, it will be a storyline to watch during the season. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, how the team is compiled and what moves are made uh, around that, depending on where we are at the midpoint of the season. Yeah, I'm going to go around the same number I picked on the, the preview as well. I'm going to go with 40%. I think one thing that actually low-key benefited the Nets, and I'm not saying I don't think Miami's going to make the playoffs, but I would have locked them into the playoffs if they had gotten Jimmy Butler. And the whole fact that um, Pat Riley called Thibodeau a mother effer, I think, you know, kind of make sure. Hey, that he, said that, he said that he didn't call him that. He totally did. But he <laughs> said that he didn't, Nick. <laughs> I, I'm going to go with I'm sure he probably did because I would be pretty pissed if, like, we had a deal on the table and then all of a sudden you're asking for more first-round picks. Like, that's on some garbage. And, like, this isn't a Timberwolves preview because we could talk about that for, like, two hours. But um, Sean, you know, Marks, think... Sean Marks wouldn't use that language at all, Nicholas. Like, yeah, he's, you know, he's you're very doing Thibodeau. Yeah, yeah, Tibbs is just like Tibbs is going to him. Look, we want Carousel, we want D'Lo, we want Jared Allen. And he just like, hey, uh, sir, uh, I think that's a, a, <laughs> a bad deal. Uh, that's my horrible Kiwi accent. Uh, it was a little bit racist. I'm sorry, uh, but I am an Australian, so I guess I, I have that sort of luxury. But uh, Sean Marks would definitely not use such profanities in such a way. He's a much more respectful, upholding man. Yes, sir. And so, but uh, back to the playoffs. I think around forty percent. And like I said, Miami not getting Butler will help. Low-key, I would keep an eye on something, and this has been brought up to me by someone else as well. The Nets seem to have Detroit's number. I know it was a preseason game, but it feels like they've beaten Detroit a lot, even over the last couple of years when they've been bad. If they win that season series, and that like helps them in terms of a tiebreaker maybe, and that's like the deciding factor, I think that's something to keep an eye on, how they play against some of these other lower-level teams. Charlotte's another interesting one too. You know, Obviously, they lost Dwight, but some people think that's a, uh, you know addition by subtraction. And then obviously, Miles Bridges had a really nice preseason. So there are a lot of teams to keep on. You know I'm not very high in the Cavs, so 
I think there's a real shot for the Nets to get in there. It's going to take major strides and major improvements from the team on all different levels, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Last year was like a really small outside chance, and then after Jeremy Lin got hurt, there was pretty much like no chance. I think we mentioned it maybe once or twice after they had those wins in uh, Mexico City over OKC, but I think this year, it realistically, the Nets could end up in the playoffs, and I don't think people would be completely shocked except the ones that don't really follow the NBA uh, closely enough. Yeah, I think that the people who are making you know such predictions saying that the Nets could be around that range are the more you know generally respected. You know, they're saying you know uh, they're giving them a little bit of credence, and I think most people are. It's generally, like you know the more hot takey Thanks, fans. Oh, sorry, <laughs> and you know those Barstool bastards, for lack of a better term, that are probably going to go, nah, those, those, it's Brooklyn, bro. When are Brooklyn going to do anything? And then, like, you know, just come on, man. Like, you know, if you know basketball, then you need to have a, a little bit more of a, an informed view on the different teams rather than just, like, you know, being a, a hometown sort of dude. So uh, the Nets will definitely be around that range. Um, we'll have to wait and see, see how it plays out um, to see if our numbers can rise from 30 40% into that uh, more than half. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously when you're a team that's like on the cusp, some it's going to take luck. You know, it could be an injury for the Nets that kind of takes them out of the picture. It could be an injury to one of the teams that's in the playoff picture and they're just having a really bad season. Or, you know, we get some really terrible drama. Or, you know, they're in the terrible drama with the Timberwolves. Maybe that happens to Eastern Conference teams. We don't know. But it's definitely going to be a lot closer storyline to follow this year than last year with all, you know, D'Angelo went down really early in the season after 12 games and now like having him for a whole year, hopefully, like you said, his goal is to play all 82. If he can play 70 plus, I'd be happy. Yeah. If he can play 75 games, I think that, um, I think it's just going to do well for him and his confidence. Just being and able to rhythm. Him. Yeah. I think that his game is so dependent on rhythm. And I think everyone's game is so dependent yeah. on rhythm. Basketball is literally anything, anything that you do when you have, you know, consistency and you can just do it a, a few times. You get that sort of level of rhythm about it, then it allows you to sort of develop, you know, better habits. And I think that if he has that rhythm, it's going to develop, you know, some nice habits, winning habits, um, you know, elite habits for him uh, of reaching his potential. All right, Jack, enough about the serious stuff. We're going to move on to some fun stuff. You know, I'm stealing um, this, this segment from my NBA outlet preview series, and that's the emoji, the truth. And the truth is because when Paul Pierce, the truth, tweeted out emojis, a picture of them instead of actually posting them, that's where the idea came from. But what emoji represents D'Angelo Russell for you? I got the money bag, Nick. Uh, Ooh, the money bag, I, I like think that. he's going to be wanting that money. Um, he's seen his two of his best mates get it. Devin and Carl got that bank. Uh, last year, or this year, sorry, um, <laughs> going into the season. So he's going to want to go, okay, well, if these guys can get it, then I want to get my money as well. Um, so it's going to be a big, big season for D'Lo in terms of if he can get that money, if he can, you know, get the duffel, duffel bag with, worth of cash. I think they generally sign checks and contracts these days, but I'm living in an old school Scorsese <laughs> movie, apparently. So uh, money bag for me, Nicholas. What do you got? I got the sunglasses emoji, you know, the smiley face of sunglasses because D'Lo's got some major swag. But then also as a second one, I got the money face emoji because that's what he's looking for and he's going to get paid this summer because he's going to have a big year. Karis Levert, what do you got? We're all about, we're all about that money at the Brooklyn Buzz. Karis Levert, I've got a diamond slash gemstone, that sort of emoji. Ooh. I think that he's a diamond in the rough. You know, guys probably slept on him a little bit. And I think that he's going to show some big things this season. And I think that, you know, um, he's sh he, he shines bright like a diamond. Um, I'm surprised that you didn't think of diamonds being, you know, all the jewelry shopping that you've had to be doing lately, my friend. 
<laughs> yes, that's actually a good one. I use that on the outlet for the Warriors. Um, I'm going to go with the heart eye emoji <laughs> for obvious that, reasons because I love yes. LeVert. But uh, that was actually a really good one. And, you know, a couple times on the outlet previous years, I've been, like, outdone. And that, you know, Jack, you might have just outdone me on Karis LeVert with that diamond in the rough. I really like that one. Jared Allen, though. Jared Allen, for me, he's going to be represented by the kangaroo emoji because he he <laughs> has some apps. He's got the massive hops. Um, I was really excited to see because I think the kangaroo is a new emoji. So as soon as it came out, I'm like, oh, this is a nice one. Helps me as an Australian. Gives me a little bit more tweeting out some Aussie stuff. So And it also helps when describing Jared Allen, who has been dunking like no other when it comes to, especially in the pick and roll lately. So... Uh, Jared Allen is a kangaroo, one of my favorite animals, one of my favorite players. Yeah, they're, kangaroos are awesome. They're, like, just really cool animals. They're also, like, super brolic and strong, which is underrated. Um, I'm going to go with, like, the super surprise emoji with the eyes wide open. Like, you're like, oh, because that's what I'm going to be doing all season long when Jared Allen dunks on people and blocks Blake Griffin at the rim again. Yep, pretty much. Any other emojis for players you want to get out there, Jack? I mean, all of the heart emojis, um, I consistently tweet out the black circle the white circle and the red apple um so if you guys are wanting to start some sort of trend with uh, emojis on nba twitter get the red apple going I'm, I'm i'm all on the red apple bandwagon uh i believe that they have better antioxidants and toxins for you as well so the healthier apple as well so get get around them pink ladies fd yeah. granny smiths make sure you get those in um jack any other fun stuff you wanted to mention before we get out of here yeah, I was looking a little bit just through my playlist and stuff, Nick. Listen, for me, a song that is going to represent the, the Nets next season uh, is one of from one of my favorite bands uh, of, of the last sort of decade or so, ever since I was uh, a little bit of an emo hipster. Uh, it's High <laughs> Hopes by Panic at the Disco. Oh, God, uh, that's I, actually... Uh, funny enough, they've been playing that song like a ton on the radio at work. Didn't they just perform that at like the VMAs or something? like, Or the music video awards? Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. I knew it was fresh yeah. in my head. Super popular song, super catchy. Uh, Brandon Yuri is one of my girlfriend's uh, celebrity crushes. Handsome man, wonderful hair. I don't know how it stays up. Uh, but the, you listen to it a few times, you just go, this is my Brooklyn Nets here. Got high, high hopes. And um, I'm hoping that you know, those hopes are realized in the 2018-19 season. Yeah, that, that, like, that was a really good choice, Jack. Um, I didn't take as much time, and I'm just doing this off the top of the dome real quick. I'm going to go with Elevate from Drake. And I just feel like because we want to see all the Nets players elevate their game, and then you also could look at Jared Allen elevating over the rim. It works on so many levels, of course. <laughs> but uh, anything else, Jack, before we get out of here and we get to finally talk about actual Nets basketball? I just want to thank everyone that's listened to all our player preview series, people that have jumped on, uh, the fans, the fan shows, the mailbags, everything around the Brooklyn Nets is going to be a big season ahead. Um, we've got you covered at the buzz. There'll be some exciting stuff ahead, but uh, it's been a, a real fun ride and hopefully one that continues for a lot longer. Yes, sir. Jack, they couldn't have said it better myself. Big thanks to everybody who supported us, listened to the show, rated us. Any type of feedback is always appreciated. And we'll definitely be doing more mailbags, you know, maybe the first or second week of the season, get some takes from you guys. We want to get the fans back on. Definitely a big thanks to the guests. Also, big thanks to both staffs at OTG Basketball, NetsRepublic.com. You know, we really appreciate you guys and everything. And like we said before, follow the show, iTunes, Block Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, Dash Radio, and YouTube. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. 
Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.